Available at farmnewsnow.com or wherever you find your favorite podcast. Agriculture through a modern lens. This is the AgriPod with Alice McFarland. On this episode, the agribusiness industry in Canada has faced many challenges. Labor shortages, competition from foreign players, rising land costs and shifting weather patterns, and of course, the pandemic. A report from KPMG says the future of agriculture depends on its willingness to embrace technology and ultimately build a more sustainable, resilient system. David Guthrie, National Agribusiness Sector Leader for KPMG, will share a report on why agriculture should be transformed into a high-tech industry. The roller coaster ride of the commodity markets continues. Senior crops analyst Wayne Palmer says after record highs, prices dropped off again. He'll talk about the factors contributing to the price chaos and give some advice for farmers still trying to make decisions about whether or not to lock in their crop prices. After the break, David Guthrie. Digging into the topics that matter to you, the AgriPod with Alice McFarlane. With me is David Guthrie, the National Leader of Agribusiness for KPMG in Canada. Uh, David, we're going to start with this uh, three-part report compiled by KPMG called Growing Canada, How Agribusiness is Evolving. So we're going to hear more about this report today and uh, start by explaining a little bit about why this report was put together in the first place. Yeah, great. Thanks, Alice. Um, Yeah, so this report really came out of issues that we saw during the COVID year and a bit, uh, we, we really saw a number of weaknesses within our food system, but also a number of opportunities that we saw that, you know, some businesses were starting to take advantage of. But just to p- put a bit of perspective on it, you know, the, the issues that we were seeing was the, you know, cracks in the supply chain, you know, you think of like the rush for toilet paper and then all of a sudden not having toilet paper. Um, food safety, as well as the security of our food to make sure that we're eating healthy food. We also saw an increase in food. <clears throat> excuse me. We also saw an increase in food insecurity as people really struggled to get access to food. And we saw a number of uh, increased usage of food banks, for example. Uh, one of the other issues that we saw was just accessing labor. And when the the border was closed and the uh, foreign workers were initially, you know, blocked from entering Canada, a lot of our clients and a lot of farmers were wondering just who was going to be harvesting their crops this year. Um, and it really shone, put a big light on the, the domestic food supply versus our global food supply and how reliant we are on domestic versus uh, global food systems. There was some discussion about ag tech, the ag tech revolution. It is certainly happening. We've had so many announcements recently, companies purchasing startups and that type of thing. What role do you see ag tech playing in farming and how do you see farming changing as a result of that? Yeah, that's a great question. And we've we've seen this um, advancements of technology in farming for a number of years now. And even if you think of 
robotic milking systems, as an example. Like 10 years ago, that was a new item, and now it's very common to see. And that's just the, the tip of the iceberg. Uh, we're seeing companies come up with new innovative products using technology that are, in some cases, backed by artificial intelligence and machine-based learning. Uh, in a report, we give some examples of you know how companies are using sensors and some of these applications to really help improve ultimately their yields and productivity. So at the end of the day, they can produce more with less inputs. And, and it's interesting that you bring that up because I know that there has been so much uh, in the way of information as far as monitoring severe weather. We can't stop it from happening, but it does. It can potentially influence a farmer's decision on what they decide to plant in a year, too. Yeah, for sure. And it's not only what farmers want to plant, but even when they do decide that they're going to plant uh, a certain type of product, it's being able to monitor it so that when they see changes in a plant, for example, whether it's you know, the need for water, need for fertilizer, or if it's, you know, insects that are impacting that plant, you can really be able to react quicker and be more specific in your solutions to help ensure that that productivity maintains at a, at a higher level. I think a lot of people think in terms of maybe technology replacing farm workers. I don't think we're ever going to be completely away from that, but the role of farm workers could change as well. Yes, the, the role of the farm worker is is going to change and you know, it's we see this in all sectors and there will be some components of the job that will be replaced by automation. But that labor is really just getting displaced into other parts of the the farming or food system. And typically where you see that is then looking at the more specialized parts of the practice. So really looking at you know those value adds where the work that those people are doing are really helping, uh, again, the overall productivity and yields of that operation. We're hearing a lot about uh, ag tech and startups and uh, some of the things that have been happening internally, companies buying up startup companies, buying ag tech-related companies and merging in. I think everybody is seeing what's happening as far as this desire to go from one man in a tractor running that piece of equipment to possibly fully autonomous equipment as well. What do you see happening with the ag tech side of it? Because it seems like there's a lot of money being spent on those on those new technologies and startups. This is the, as we've mentioned in a report, the amount of capital that's getting injected into the ag technology space is absolutely significant. Uh, this is the the next dot-com boom uh, that we're seeing here focused on egg technology. Uh, again, the amount of dollars being put in is significant. And this is great for Canadian farmers to be able to have these technologies on the market and that they can actually use these in their operation. 
What does this mean for the farmer of the future? Uh, it, are we seeing the complete change in, in the matter of a generation? I see this, this next generation of farmers, and I'll refer to them as the Facebook generation. Um, you know, this generation is, has grown up with a, a cell phone in their hands. Uh, they've been on Facebook, and they're used to sharing their data and also putting their data out into cyberspace. And the willingness to share that data amongst others is, you know, is an acceptable practice amongst this generation. So I do see the, this generation being more willing to adopt new technologies a lot quicker than some of the generations that we've seen before. In your report, do you see that there are areas that we are lagging behind that uh, more could be done on the ag tech side? Yeah, in our report, we mentioned the, you know, the need for venture capitalism uh, and funding to come into this to get some of these startup companies uh, going so that they can uh, really bring their product uh, to market. Uh, in practice, uh, the largest challenge is still going to be acceptance of new technology. This is where traditionally um, farmers will see what their neighbor is doing first. And once they see that their neighbor's proven the uh, technology and they've seen the benefits, then they're w- more willing to, to adopt that technology. Again, as this new generation is coming forward that is, you know, more willing to look at technology, use data and analytics in their operations. I do foresee that this change or evolution of technology and adoption of a technology will increase significantly. There always seems to be that one farmer that doesn't isn't afraid to try some new things and be prepared for you know, it working or not working. And that's, it really shows innovation in the industry, doesn't it? Yeah. Any adoption of new technology has to start with someone. And it's, it's almost contagious and it's exciting, uh, especially with the new technologies um, that, you know, I do see that there'll be further adoption of these technologies and it will just continue to grow. Uh, in, in working in this space of agribusiness and ag technology, this is an exciting time to be a farmer. You mentioned um, acceptance, and I guess we always have to factor in affordability. It's gotta, it's gotta make sense and it's gotta make a farmer money. So that, that's always an important issue too, I suppose. Yeah, when you're looking at the, the financial operations of, of farming, uh, the, the initial purchase of any piece of equipment, whether it's a tractor that could be driven autonomously or AI-based solutions, uh, initially the first model of any product coming off an assembly line is going to be a higher cost. But as we see adoption and more purchasing of that type of equipment, we do see prices start to come down. On the flip side as well, that 
you know, if you've got a technology that can really save money or increase your your yields and increase your productivity, uh, I do see that purchases will start to pay for themselves pretty quickly, and that will, you know, even further accelerate the adoption of new technology. Was there anything else that you wanted to add? The Canadian food system is a great food system. We've always had high food standards and have had a great system of producing high quality food. I believe that Canada really has a role to play on the global stage to be a leader in the adoption of new technologies, uh, adopt sustainable practices, and really be leaders uh, on the global stage. And as I've mentioned before, this is a, a great opportunity and an exciting time to be a farmer in Canada. Thanks for doing this today. No, this is fun. So I appreciate the opportunity and uh, look forward to future conversations. David Guthrie is the national leader of agribusiness for KPMG in Canada. After the break, senior analyst Wayne Palmer runs through some of the recent changes in crop prices, the factors causing the shifts and how producers can deal with it as they make some decisions locking in pricing. Digging into the topics that matter to you. The AgriPod with Alice McFarlane. Wayne Palmer is a senior commodity analyst. Wayne, uh, farmers enjoyed record high prices. Things changed. Uh, prices dropped off. Uh, tell us about what's been happening uh, with those markets and why it's, in ha- why it's been happening and why it's important that we're keeping a close eye on this. Well, I'll just go back a bit. Uh, up until about three weeks ago, farmers were uh, in uh, the ones that had were getting decent weather, uh, having crops emerge. They were in fantastic shape, but there obviously was a lot of farmers across North America that weren't in good shape. After we had this big run-up on prices, uh, farmers basically had sold most of their old crop grain, and were very leery on selling any new crop because they just couldn't. Uh, the conditions weren't right for them to be able to go in and hedge, uh, especially with poor subsoil moisture. Then the uh, and plus the other thing too is the technical market. The funds had uh, were carrying record long positions. Then we got uh, the weather sort of became a little bit more cooperating to say the least got rains in the key growing drought-like areas. Um, Grain prices sort of stayed stayed steady, but then the funds started to get a little nervous. And as we started to go lower uh, and drift lower, the funds came in here and really leaned on grain prices. Panic selling to get out of big, long positions. They are still long a little bit. But, boy, uh, compared to where they were long before, uh, they've really uh, uh, reduced their positions. And a lot of people across North America, whether it's corn traders, bean traders, or canola traders, are thinking that there's a possibility if we keep on going lower, funds could go from a massive long position to start putting and establishing a short position. So that's what's hanging on the market is, Good grain, better grain growing weather has fueled long liquidation from the funds. 
now we're at that point in prices where, okay, what's the weather going to hold here? What's a crystal ball say for the next two months? Crops have emerged for the most part across North America. Uh, I'm not saying they're in good shape by any means. We still need some adequate rains at, at the right time. But things are much, much better today than they were two and a half weeks ago. So farmers are uh, a little bit more, uh, I guess you could say, have that warm, fuzzy feeling. But uh, the crop's not anywhere near made or in the bin. So as we go forward, we're now 100% predicated on what we're going to get for weather across the Canadian prairies. And, of course, in the north and uh, central plains. Yesterday, Alice, they came out with uh, crop ratings for Minneapolis spring wheat, and they went down uh, a whopping 10%. They're only 27% good to excellent in the northern plains, which is sort of bar- a barometer for that area for any grains that they're growing. No subsoil moisture. Um, in fact, for the last three weeks in a row, even the corn and soybean ratings, which came out uh, decent uh, and are now drifting lower and declining as we're speaking. So there's a lot of areas that are, are just begging and waiting for and needing rain in July and definitely some in August, but critical period here will be the first half of July. So far, June has been good to farmers. The weather forecast still look to be adequate rainfall with normal temperatures. So, uh, and the funds are still just basically putting their hands in their pocket. But if we continue to have good grain growing weather, uh, then the funds are going to lean on this market, get rid of their long position, start going short, and put a little pain on people who are along the market. But on the other side of the market, if we start getting weather forecasts that say above normal temperatures with below normal precipitation, uh, we're in for another major rally here because there are no carryover stocks from 2020 at these high prices. Farmers have basically cleaned out their bins and there's no backup supply. Are you hearing any word um, on conditions, let's say across North America, where uh, even with the rain, it's too late for the crop? It's um, kind of past saving? No, uh, honestly, I think that for the most part, I think yields are already could be affected because of the uh, drought-like conditions that they they actually planted in. But right now, there's no write-offs. There's nobody that's saying that we're going to have a wreck. I think yields could be compromised, but still there could be something there with adequate rains at the right time here through the, uh, you know, important growing uh, growing times of, of the 2021 crop. What's the word on crop conditions um, around the world right now uh, as many of them are heading into harvest? Well, Brazil um, has basically, they, 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 the, their, their, their total production on their corn crop um, has been uh, greatly reduced, um, which is already factored into corn prices. Uh, when you have $6.50 a bushel corn prices and soybeans are still trading uh, you know, over $14 a bushel. So we're still reeling from the past uh, grain uh, problems that we've had. 
But going forward, um, Russia is already saying that they're going to have a better crop than they did last year. Australia, really not uh, too many problems at all uh, yet. Europe, also in fairly decent shape. So right now there aren't there aren't there aren't anybody or there aren't any countries like we just experienced with Brazil and their corn crop for 2021. The world is looking at North America now. The focus on us is on us because we're the biggest grain growing area besides, of course, Russia. Russia is the biggest wheat exporter in the world, and they're already predicting uh, more wheat uh, than expected on their initial forecasts. But that's uh, really not going to have much an effect if we have a problem with our 2021 crop. Uh, global grain supplies are drastically reduced into dangerous levels, and the world is really relying on us to get those great global grain supplies back to an adequate position. It, it won't be a surplus. That's why grain prices are here. Very good grain prices are here to stay right through harvest, in my opinion, and into 2022. But um, as we wait for other countries to do their harvest, and hopefully they don't have any wrecks like Brazil had this year. Talking to farmers during seeding, of course, they were very excited with those high prices. But many said it's also very scary because you need a crop to harvest so that you can fulfill those contracts. So what is your advice to farmers watching that crop growing right now and making some of those decisions? That, that is a very, very good question. Um, I've been answering the same questions with producers as we went down here because the reason that the price went up is farmers couldn't afford to sell it. If we didn't get adequate rain, farmers couldn't still afford to sell it and get those fantastically historic prices that were, were, were staring everybody in the face. Uh, the reason that the grain prices have gone down is because we've had better grain growing weather. Um, farmers still have to be 100% cognizant of the fact of that do not sell something that you're not going to reap this year. Uh, it's been a storyline here for probably the last two months because carryover stocks are not there. We have no backup supply. So this year, uh, with no backup supply, if you have a contract that has to be delivered on and you run into a problem this year, uh, you're going to really have to pay up to get out of that contract because there is nobody else that's going to help you out. It's just, it's just not, it's not available. So, the weather this year is, in my opinion, more magnified, more transparent than ever before. And once the July futures go off the board and everybody now concentrates on new crop months and new crop futures and the technical side of the market, uh, we're still in for a major roller coaster ride here until sometime in August when the crop is made. So I would be very, very careful to oversell anything until I'm probably 75% sure that I'm going to be able to harvest that crop. One more thing, too, Alice, is about the Canadian dollar. Um, Here we've lost a couple of cents on the Canadian dollar. Uh, We're trading close to 83 cents on the Canadian dollar. It had gone down to close to uh, 80.5. 
So that's two and a half cent loss here very, very quickly because the U.S. dollar is very, very strong. Their economy obviously is growing a lot quicker than ours is or getting back to normal more. And as that uh, Canadian dollar has come down, it's made Canadian grain a lot more affordable to end users. And it's, it's getting to a point now where it's again becoming a factor on possibly making some forward sales. So it's a good thing for Canada and as are if we can get some very good decent weather away across the prairies i think it could boost up our grain prices a little bit as well wayne palmer is a senior commodity analyst it's time for the weekly agriculture news roundup for the week of june 21st 2021 the senate passed a private member's bill addressing long-standing barriers making it more costly to transfer a farm to a family member than to a third party Canadian Federation of Agriculture President Mary Robinson said the changes will assist Canadian farmers, fishers and small businesses changing hands to the next generation. She said the average age of Canadian farmers is over 55 years and continues to climb. Robinson said with more than 95% of Canadian farms owned and operated by farm families, the bill will contribute directly to the sustainability of those family farms in the next few years alone. Indigenous initiatives will receive $4 million in federal money to help increase participation of underrepresented groups in the agriculture and agri-food sector. There are a total of 16 projects, including one on Cowessus First Nation east of Regina. Chief Cadmus Delorme said the long-term goal for 4C Farms is to build a fleet of grain farming equipment to enable the First Nation to farm its own land. 4C Farms received $954,000 to reintroduce grain farming as a viable business and expand its operation to 2,000 acres. Researchers at the University of Saskatchewan are looking for higher value uses for pulse starch, which could include things like bioplastics and biomedical materials. The federal and Saskatchewan governments are funding a five-year program to the tune of $2.5 million. The University of Saskatchewan project will be led by Dr. Yong Fang Ai, who said the strong gelling and film-forming ability of pulse starches can make them useful in bioplastic materials. They also have a higher biodegradable component and are compostable, which would make them a sustainable product. Saskatchewan Pulse Growers Executive Director Carl Potts said in order to further expand value-added processing of pulses in Saskatchewan, there needs to be high-value markets that can utilize starch in volume. The Western Grains Research Foundation will be making a contribution to a prairie research projects. WGRF will provide $253,000 to Farming Smarter for the purchase of a plot seeder and plot combine. Farming Smarter is a not-for-profit research organization located near Lethbridge, Alberta. The organization conducts research that is shared with producers locally and across Western Canada. CNH Industrial will purchase Raven Industries for $2.1 billion U.S., moving it into the autonomous and precision agriculture technology business. 
CNH CEO Scott Wine said that technology is a critical component for agricultural customers wanting to reach the next level of productivity and to unlock the true potential of their operations. Raven's Autonomous Agriculture recently purchased Saskatchewan-based DOT technology and its autonomous platform in 2020, as well as the AutoCart aftermarket driverless grain cart system from Smart Ag in 2019. Omni is a new brand for Raven Autonomous Agriculture. If you like what you've heard, you can rate and review wherever you get your podcasts and make sure to subscribe to AgriPod with Alice McFarlane for more weekly episodes. The AgriPod is produced by Colby Heiss with host and CJVR Agriculture Director Alice McFarlane and is a division of the Jim Pattison Broadcast Group. Available wherever you find your favorite podcast and at farmnewsnow.com.